it's good to see all your faces. Let's all stand together as we sing the solid rock.
Christ is our hope in life and in death. May the joy spring eternal from our souls because of what you have done for us. The King of kings and the Lord of lords, the creator of the universe, made a way so that we could have eternal life. And that hope is found in his precious son, Jesus. Thank you for what you've done. May you be glorified here today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And the people of God said, Amen. You may be seen. So good. Do you know we're talking about you guys today? Did you know that? Did you know there's a little small story in the Bible about Jesus meeting with children? Did you know that? Hmm. Well, I tell you what. I want to see kind of what you guys think about. April 15th. What does that mean to you? Are you worried about it? How about the thermostat in your house? You guys think about that much? Any of you control the thermostat? You feel cold in your house, okay. All right. Do you know about how many more miles before the car needs an oil change? No, okay. Is inflation concerning you? <laughs> what if your parents said, this summer we're going to Disney World? Would you believe them? <laughs> wow. Okay, what if they said this summer we're going to the beach? Would you believe them? You know, there's something, there's something very different between children and adults. And that children, you don't have to worry about as much stuff. There's things that bother you, right? But we don't have to worry about things quite like adults do. Sometimes adults kind of, they just, they kind of lose their way. They worry about all kinds of stuff. And, and they have a tough time trusting God. I was really surprised. You, you fooled me on that. I thought if your parents said we're going to Disney, you would believe them. You guys really wouldn't believe your parents if they said that? I would believe them. I would believe them. I would believe them. Okay. Okay. Well, we're going we're gonna to kind of look at a little bit of the difference between childlike and childish in a minute. But probably the most important thing for you guys to hear is that Jesus said, let the children come to me. You're that important to Jesus that he stopped all of the other conversation with the adults. And he said, I want you to come over here and I want you to receive my blessing. So I want you to know you're important, really important. Do you guys know that? Yeah. And I want to give a blessing to you right now because Jesus will give blessings to children. And I pray that God will bless you and keep you. 
that he would cause his face to shine upon you and you would see his smile. You would know his peace and experience his grace. Let's pray. God, thank you for these children. The fact that you took time in your earthly ministry. Something that was recorded in all three of the Synoptic Gospels. Be reminded of how important they are. How the kingdom of God belongs to those who have childlike trust and confidence in you. I pray that these children would always know how much you love them. That we as church, adults, parents, teenagers would communicate to them how important they are. They would help them to see that you're treasured, loved by you, that you want them more than anything else to have a relationship with you. Please help them to continue to grow in their understanding of who you are. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Now I want you to listen real carefully because I'm going to talk about the difference between being childlike and childish. So pay attention in just a couple minutes, okay? All right, thanks for coming down. And remember, there's an egg hunt two weeks from now. That is after April 15th, in case you're worried about it. Well, we're going to talk about kids and the likes in just a minute. But uh, before we dive into the sermon, I wanted to show you something real quick. This is our Easter mail up that's going to be going out. And uh, because it's going to be going to a bunch of your neighbors, about 20,000 people in the 06 and around, we're trying to reach the apartments uh, along Folsom and Major that are so hard to connect with. But some of you play Wordle, right? Any, any Wordle people? How many of you don't know any idea what Wordle is? Okay, it's good. Get schooled on Wordle because we're going to talk about it on Easter. We're going to be using those words to talk about what the Easter message is and how the gospel comes to us. And so it gives all the information there. Getting this right changes everything. Getting what right? Knowing Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Use Easter and leverage that as an opportunity to talk with your neighbors. Ask them if they got a card that, that looks like this and, and invite them to be a part of this follow-up. Uh, and then on the other side, just because as we pray, uh, I don't know who those people are, but they go to Westgate, I guess. But you'll notice over here, it's hard to read from where you are, but it's a gospel presentation. So that means 20,000 people in our community are going to hear the gospel, read the gospel, if they take a moment to do that. And we want to be praying that God allows that to happen. Wouldn't you love for your neighbor to be following hard after Christ? Or would you prefer that they followed hard after the devil? Right? We want everybody to be following hard after Christ. And so why don't we take just a moment now. I'm going to ask someone in the congregation to just stand up and voice a prayer that God would use this Easter season to bring people to Christ. Doesn't mean to bring them to Westgate. Great. We'd love to have them but to bring people to Christ. So someone stand up, voice a prayer for all of us as we pray for people to come to Christ during Easter.
she did. Didn't hear a word the pastor said, but by golly, I trust him. And I, uh, boy, we could move mountains with that kind of. Well, in, in showing you guys some mail out too, I want to thank you for your generosity. You know, you, somebody, she, boy, and Jamie, man, she's all the different things that are going. So many things that go on at Westgate. Couldn't happen without your generosity. Thank you for your faithful giving of your tithes and offerings. It just means that we can do so much more. We've been talking about this series of mandates in which God has given us commands. And last week we were reminded from 1 Corinthians 11, 17, that when we disobey, we do more harm than good. Now, here's the deal. You say, well, yeah, obviously. But when we disobey, sometimes we think we're, it's to our advantage, right? The scripture tells us that when we disobey, we do more harm than the good that we think we're going to accomplish. And that's why we're in this series taking some time to say, God, what is it you commanded us to do so that our lives will be better? Some of you are going through experiencing God with Henry Blackaby. Listen to what Henry Blackaby says. God's commands are designed to guide you to life's very best. That's why we have the commands. That's why we go through them, not to, to make sure that we're, we're just staying in line with what Jesus has called us to do. No, but to know that what, when we obey Jesus, we are demonstrating our love for him, and we are on the pathway to experience the best in life. Well, today we come to a unique command, a command that we probably don't think about. But God has commanded us to be childlike. Could you relate as we were talking to the kids? April 15th. Yeah, you guys probably know what's happening April the 15th. You think about controlling the thermostat. You're worried about when you have to get your car in to make sure that the oil is changed. There's so much that goes with being an adult. And here's Jesus speaking to us in Mark chapter 10, verses 13 through 16, giving us this command about being childlike. Jesus said, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter in. Let's read it together, beginning in verse 13. People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them, but the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. That means he was very angry. He said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. And he took the child, took the children in his arms, he placed his hands on them, and he blessed them. This is so significant that all three of the synoptic gospels included this particular vignette in Jesus' life. Three synoptic gospels are the Gospels that put everything pretty much in order. The Gospel of John is uniquely different as it talks about the life of Christ. And in this particular story, we're reminded about the fact that we are saved by grace, not by works. And in all three of those Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, it's followed with the story of the rich young ruler, which a man came to Jesus and he was saying, I have done all of these things to earn eternal life. <clears throat> Am I missing anything? Is there anything lacking? What more do I need to do? Because I know that eternal life is all on me. It was a works-based works theology. The idea that what you did was to earn God's favor. And then Jesus brings the children together and says, Listen, this is how you enter the kingdom of God. You have childlike faith and trust in me. See, a child can't earn their favor. 
They're dependent upon others. It was customary in this particular time in which the children would be brought to the synagogue and the synagogue ruler would give a blessing to the children. How old were these children? It's a good question. The word that is used in the original language in Matthew and Mark speaks of children that could be through elementary. And then Luke throws in the term Bephos, which is the term for an infant, and it even means an unborn infant. To say that Jesus cares about, hear this, America, he cares about the unborn child. That's the word that is used there. But the disciples saw it a little bit differently. The disciples felt like they were Jesus' handlers. So they wanted to make sure that uh, this interruption of the more important things didn't continue. I remember an episode from my life in which something like that happened. I, I guess it relates to me and I feel the same. I remember that uh, my uncle, George, lived over in Germany, which was a very long way back in the last millennium when this took place. I was probably about eight. My younger sister was maybe three. And he had called over, extremely expensive, extremely rare, to have this call from Germany to Texas. And my sister was on the phone as my grandfather was kind of doling the phone around to different ones, but he, there's something about my little sister, little three-year-old, and he wanted her to talk to her Uncle George. And she was on the phone when my mom came walking in. And I grabbed the phone from my little sister, and I said, here's Marthanne, that's my mom's name, here's Marthanne, because she's the oldest of the siblings, she's the more important one, you want to talk to her, and I handed my mom the phone, and my grandfather, the only time in his life, he struck me. He hit me. I still remember it to this day. He was so upset that I was doing what the disciples were doing, saying that older people are more important than the younger people. Some of you will remember the phrase by John Burke, who's a 15th century minister, no less. He's the one that gave us that phrase. Children should be seen, but not heard. It's exactly what the disciples thought. Just a big interruption. But the parents kept on bringing their children. And in the original language, it means that they kept on bringing the children. And the disciples kept on trying to stop them. And Jesus kept on rebuking them. So you have this interchange that's going on, and then Jesus gives this command, and he says, Stop hindering them. Keep on letting them come to me. Give them an all-access pass. So here are these children. They could have been toddlers, and, and Michael is really nice to get to meet you today. This is your first time at Westgate, and it is an honor to get to meet you and have you here. You're in third grade. Some of these kids would have been your age as well. So little toddlers up through maybe third, fourth, fifth grade. They're all coming to Jesus to receive a blessing. And Jesus says, you need to be like that. You need to be childlike. There's a big difference between being childlike and being childish. And that's what Jesus wants us to see here as well as the writers of the gospel. See, I see both of those in our granddaughters, childlike and childish. The other day, we were on the, the shared file in which we get just thousands of pictures from our, our daughter, videos and pictures. It's just a way to, for us to stay connected. 
And we got these videos and these pictures of our, our two oldest granddaughters. They're starting ballet. And it's, it's just so fun. And, it, and it's such a picture of, of innocence. You, you look at just the wonder and excitement in their eyes as they get to try on the, the little ballet uh, uniforms. I guess that's what you call them. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a ball player. They're, they're uniforms. But they're in these little ballet deals. And they're, they're so... It wasn't the tutu thing, it's the other thing. The tights or whatever it is. Leotard, there we go. I, I'm excited, but I don't know what it is. But they feel so special. They're, they're, they're so thankful. They're, they're dressed up and they know they're going to get to dance. And, and I just got choked up looking at that video. Because it just communicated this innocence of, of little children. But then there's the other side, when they're silly and selfish, and they're crying for no apparent reason. See, there's a big difference between being childlike and childish, and we know the difference. There's a popular colloquialism about adulting. Most of you have heard that term. Adulting is this, this description of the process of younger people going into that phase of life and when they experience some more mundane challenges of becoming an adult like paying bills and setting the thermostat and changing the oil and buying groceries and, and cooking. One recently certified adult said, now that I'm adulting, I think about running away a lot more than I did when I was a kid. Yeah, that feeling sometimes. You know, you, you probably thought about running away more as an adult than you did ever as a kid. There's a difference between being childlike and being childish. And Jesus is contrasting that. He's saying to the religious leaders and the adults, said, y'all are more childish than childlike. You're childish in thinking that you can earn God's favor, that you can merit your own salvation. That's childish. I want you to be childlike in which you just trust me for who I am. We can't earn God's favor and blessing. That is a gift from God. So as you think about childlike faith, there's a couple of words that, that maybe we could think about this morning that would help us to exercise more childlike faith in our lives. And the first would be curious. Childlike faith is curious, it's trusting, it's enthusiastic. Curious. As adults, teenagers, have we lost the capacity to be curious about God? Remember Curious George as a kid that you would read as a book? Curious George, are we curious about God? Or have we reached the plateau that this is really all you will know about God? Does God have anything much more for us? Not really sure. This is kind of it. We'll save our curiosity for, for other things in life. You know, as adults, we say, it's complicated. You never hear a kid say, that's complicated. But adults, we say, it's, it's complicated. What do kids say? They say, why? I remember over 30 years ago, living over in Houston in Clear Lake, we had this next door neighbor, a little kid. His name was Nicholas. And invariably, every time that I was out in the yard, I guess Nicholas was probably somewhere around four or five. I don't really exactly remember, but every time I would be outside, he would come over and ask me what I'm doing. 
And I give you five guesses, and I'll just give you one. What one word question did he ask me about two million times? Why? I'd be out there driving a nail or something. What are you doing? I'm hammering. Why? Well, I'm trying to drive this nail in it. Why? Also, the nail will hold it. Why? It's like, why don't you just go away? I mean, kids are curious. I wonder if we're still curious about God. Have we lost that? That's what childlike faith is, remaining curious about what God might have in store next, what he might want to do in our lives, today, tomorrow, this next week. Not what he did way back, but what he wants to do right now. Childlike faith is trusting. Think about children. They're helpless and dependent. I think that's one of the things that just busted up our hearts is what we see what's going over in the Ukraine, but my goodness, Things like that are happening all over the world without our knowledge of it. I have a little picture of a, of a little girl, age of one of my granddaughters. Keep it in my office, cut it out of the paper. A little girl that is receiving CPR from a paramedic because of a bomb that exploded. And the bottom of the tagline reminds us she didn't survive. Children are helpless, they're dependent because of that. They're open and they're teachable, they're trusting. During the Christmas time when our kids come to visit, and thankfully they're going to be coming back with a little bit more. They're going to be moving back to Texas. So it's a good day. And they would come and I would build a swing up in our attic. We have a walk-in attic. And I would build a swing up there. And uh, when they would come up there, they would just be squealing, Pappy, Pappy. They wouldn't be looking up and say, Pappy, I noticed you have that cantilever up here. Have you done a structural load test on that to make sure that that swing is going to hang there? Pappy put it up so it'll work. We don't need to test anything. We don't need to hang. We just need to jump in the swing and start swinging. That's childlike faith. We were over at Michelle's parents last year. Our oldest was four at the time. And she was in the swing, and I was swinging her. And we were talking about how we didn't get to go to the beach. And I said, well, Nora, when y'all move back to Texas, happy we're not moving back to Texas. I think, oh, that dagger in my heart. Do, I, do you know something that your parents have told you, but in her mind was, we're just where we are. We, we're living where we are in Washington, D.C. We're, we're, we're content right there. And I said, well, maybe one day. She said, Pappy, we're just trusting God like Moses. We're just trusting God like Moses, without even missing a beat. That's what God wants from us. Just trusting God like Moses. Childlike faith is curious, it's trusting, and it's enthusiastic. Three words that kids love to yell when something goes well. Any idea? Do it again. Do it again. Those are three of the most dreaded words for an exhausted parent. <laughs> you are worn out, and the last thing you want to do 
is do it again. But Jesus is showing us exactly the point here. Is their enthusiasm never wanes? I remember when our kids were little, and we had the craziest game. They would run through our living room, and I would throw pillows at them. And they were so scared, but yet they keep on coming back. And I'd hit them with a pillow. They got scars on their body from where they, it was just not good. But they, they would keep on coming back. And I'd say, well, we better stop. You're bleeding. Do, yeah. Do it again. Do it again. And I think that's what we see here is Jesus saying to us, the command for us to be childlike. When's the last time you just called out to God and said, do it again. Do it again. Do it again. Not that he did something supernaturally spectacular for you, but you just looked out in the majesty of his creation or you saw something happen in someone else's life that you just celebrated or, or you just were celebrating who God was. Kind of like singing. There's a song called Do It Again. I love that song. Just a reminder. God, would you do it again? You've done it in the past. Do it again. Do it again. The beauty that Jesus is communicating to us here is that God invites us. He invites us to leave the kids' table and sit next to him. You ever have to sit at the kids' table? One of those holiday gatherings, reunion? The kids' table. You know, you're not big enough to sit with the parents. And we all remember that day, that meal, when we got invited to sit at the adult table, right? And Jesus is saying, I'm inviting you to leave the kids' table and come to my table. Let me ask you a question. Are you believing like a child, that God's commands are designed to guide you to life's very best. You have that kind of trust in God, that if you follow His commands, they will lead you down the best path to the best in life. And then I have to ask us as a church, this is not going to be fun. I have to ask us as a church, what a question. The disciples were Jesus' handlers, right? Are we handlers sometimes hindering kids from experiencing an all-access pass to who Jesus is? To become acquainted with him, to learn who he is, to grow in understanding of who Jesus is in relationship? Are we hindering children from coming to Christ? Say, well, I don't think so. But possibly we all are. Yeah, we have a need on Wednesday nights. We have kids that come to our church that, that they, they don't have parents here. And so they're, some of them are not really used to the way things operate. They only come on Wednesday nights. And we have worn our volunteers out ragged that we have on Wednesday nights. And we need men. We need men to come in there to just be a presence. We don't need you to bring your gun. Just come with your presence to help these kids not be hindered from experiencing the fullness of who Jesus Christ is. A few weeks ago we asked for volunteers and I think that was a mistake on my part. Anything that ends in tears is probably not a good idea. Volunteers. What we need are disciples. Disciples that would say, sure, I'll come from 6 to 7 o'clock. I, I don't have to prepare a lesson. I would just come and, and be a physical presence there to help out in the management so that the teaching could take place in a more effective way. I think that'd be a great idea. I, one of the things that drew us to Westgate when we 
first came here. We were just overwhelmed by it. Because we had not been a part of a church environment like that. To see all of the men that were involved in children's Sunday school and children's ministries. Man, I've never seen that. That's what we need. And if we don't want to hinder children from experiencing that, some of us are going to have to step away from some of the things that we're doing and, and engage in helping children to understand who Christ is. If you want to be a disciple that works on Wednesday nights, not a volunteer, but a disciple. And some of you that are new are saying, well, does that mean a disciple gets paid? No. It just means... A disciple is someone following Christ, a volunteer says, okay, well, no one else will do it, I'll do it. And volunteers is with tears, so we probably just need to move that word off the table. We need disciples to step up. But one of the things that um, we've seen here each week is Philippians chapter 2, verse 13. God is working in you. Friends, I want to tell you, God is at work in your life. You may not feel it, you may not think it, but God is at work in your life. And if he's at work in your life, he will give you the desire to obey Him and the power to do what pleases Him. Do you know that in your own life? Do you know what it is to experience the love and grace of God? God loves every one of us. Children, all the way to the oldest adult. God loves us and He's created us to have a relationship with Him. But our sin prevents us from having any relationship with God. But thankfully, through Jesus Christ, we can be made right with God. All we have to do is humbly repent of our sins and surrender our life completely over to Christ and we can be changed for all of eternity. Isn't that a great word? That is the gospel. That's why it's called the gospel, which means good news. So if any of us in this room or listening online have never received Christ as your Lord and Savior, I pray that you would voice a prayer similar to this. And for all of the rest of us that are already Christians, do we have the childlike faith to trust God that his commands will lead down the best path in life? And are we willing to do whatever it is to keep children from being hindered and experiencing Christ? Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this important lesson, this command that you have given us to have childlike faith and for us never to hinder a child from coming to know and understand who you are. Lord, I wonder that possibly in this room today or someone listening online, they, they have never taken that first step in relationship with you to invite you to be Lord and Savior of their life and to forgive them of their sins. If they haven't, I pray that today, right now, would be the moment. They would pray a prayer similar to this, Lord Jesus, I recognize that I am a sinner in desperate need of your forgiveness. Please forgive me of all my sins and become the Lord and Savior of my life. I surrender to you all that I am and all that I have. And I will follow hard after you the remaining days of my one and only life. Lord, for those of us who have already surrendered our life to you, I pray that each and every day would be asking the question, Lord, is there anything that I'm doing that is hindering the furtherance of your gospel? Anything that I'm doing that's hindering other people from coming to know and understand you on a deeper level? Lord, I pray that you would raise us up to be disciples that please you and honor you in all that we do. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. As we come to this time of commitment, last part of our worship service, we'll be standing and singing, but our deacons will be standing in the back of each one of these three aisles, our deacons of the month. 
and they'll be there for you to pray with them if that would be helpful for you maybe you prayed to receive Christ and you want more information about that maybe you're you're looking to figure out how you join the church here I'd love to explain that to you maybe you just want someone to pray with you Deacons, if you and your wife would just stand back at the end of each one of these aisles, and I'll be standing over at the cross and also at the Connection Center after the service out in the atrium, you can meet us there to assist anybody that wants to go deeper in their relationship with the Lord. So let's stand together and let's respond as we sing.
bless you. Have a great week. Be sure to pick up some of those packets from the WOW ministry and take them with you. Thank you.